Yeah, it looks great, don't you think? I think we're very handsome, yes. <laughs> Use that. <laughs> All right, wait, well, we're here once again with Braden Gall. You know him by now, of course, uh, owner 440 Sports, longtime Athlon Sports contributor, the podcast, one of my favorite podcasts out there, national ESPN radio host, Braden. And anything else I'm forgetting? Uh, no, father of two girls, softball, <laughs> U6 softball coach, um, music connoisseur, nerd. I don't know. No, if that works. That's great. It's good to see you, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, man. And uh, I, I tell people each time they come in here, I, I try to get the setup a little bit better each time. It does, yeah, it's great. You're like my guinea pig each time. <laughs> We're getting better and better at this. Is that a shot at my weight? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But, uh, man, I can't thank you enough for coming in. And uh, I think we're going to do something a little special on this one, right? So yeah. we're going to do half the show here. Oh, you know, obviously you're listening to it now, that SEC podcast. If you want the other half, you got to go listen to, you can put it on Fringe Element. Yeah, let's go Fringe Element. Um, I think it's a great idea. I, you know, I've obviously been a big fan of what you guys have been doing. So yeah, let's do, let's do the West here. Let's do the East on Fringe, Fringe Element. And you got to check them both out to get all the answers. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, this is, this is the show topic. I've come up. With over/under win totals projected, I mean these are not out officially yet, but I'm pretty good at this. So I, have, you know, I'm, you probably assume all these numbers I'm going to throw at you here, and then Braden and I are going to discuss over/under for each number and the confidence level we have in that. So does that all make sense to you? Yeah, ex expectation setting, right? Yeah, in, in the middle of spring practice for sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like you said, we'll do SEC West here. Just go in alphabetical order, Alabama, right off the bat. And, you know, this is generally one of the easiest ones to do every season. Ooh, not this year. Well, I, th I still think because of the, you know, betting public, it's always going to be bet. They're going to set that number high. Yeah. I'm going, it may be 11, but for, for sake, I'm going 11 and a half. Basically, wow. you're, you're betting on, is Alabama going to lose? And again, this is just regular season. Right, right, right. Not SEC championship, right. not a bowl game. So, over under Alabama, 11 and a half. Over under for you, and what's your confidence level on your selection? I would be extremely confident going under. Um, but I don't think that's the number. I think it was 10 and a half last year. And they had Bryce Young. Right. So, very rarely does a team get an 11 and a half total for the regular season. So, I would go under that. I'd feel pretty confident about that. 11 and 1 is probably right. Um, the LSU game is at home. Uh, the Tennessee game is at home. Revenge on the mind. But yeah, let me just go through the schedule real quick. Is yeah, that yeah, cool? Yeah. So they open the at home, Middle Tennessee. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Texas. For, that's my alma mater. One of my alma maters. <laughs> Texas coming to uh, at, Tuscaloosa this yeah, year. That, that'll be a big game. At South Florida. It's, it's weird to see Alabama on the road at South Florida. Ole Miss at home. At Mississippi State, which they've dominated. At Texas A&M, I think that is a trickier game than a lot of people would anticipate this time of year. Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, LSU at home with two weeks to prepare. At Kentucky, Chattanooga at home, and then at Auburn. Yeah, I think there's one slip up in there, for sure. Um, in part because I think the West is incredibly balanced. Like, I think... like. And it's not that different in the East, except for Georgia makes it all imbalanced. Like the the five or six teams, and we'll get to that, uh, of course. But I, I think 
the gap between Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn. Auburn's going to be improved, um, and we'll get to all these teams specifically. But to suggest that Alabama right now, with a new starting quarterback and some of the same questions, I think some of those questions will be answered. I think the offensive line will be better. I think the receiving core will be better. But I just eleven and one's eleven. Like eleven and one's a great season. You probably win the West. And it means you've gotten revenge on LSU and Tennessee. You get tech. You get all the big games that you struggled in last year mm-hmm. are all at home. Um, so I, I'm with you. They slip up once, and maybe it's at, at A&M. Um, maybe it's at Auburn. You can't. You can't. You know. You can't ever write that one off. But um, I, 12 and 0 seems unlikely with this particular roster. Breaking in new coaches too. I would go under. But I, again, I, I'd be interested. It'd be fascinating to see what Vegas puts out. Mm-hmm. It might. They might put out 11 and force you to. To, to take the two losses or the undefeated. So you're not buying the revenge year? Because that was what it was last year, right? And we never <laughs> quite got that either. Well, it's I don't understand the revenge. Like, I never really buy into the revenge year thing. It's more about the specific game. And, like, when you go 11-2, and two, and, like, it's not... what is it revenge on Ole Miss for almost beating you? Like, is it revenge <laughs> on Arkansas for, like, making a comeback in the second half? Like, what... <laughs> I, you know, is it a revenge on like the bad officiating in against Texas? Yeah, which was by the way, it wasn't bad officiating in my opinion. I thought it was a very sloppy performance by Alabama, but like they won the game. Bryce Young let them down the field and they won the game. So I, I don't know. Like LSU beat beat them on a two point conversion in the final play of the game. You know, they had Tennessee beat. They just missed a field goal, and then Tennessee makes three ridiculous plays and makes their field goal. Like. I don't know. I just don't think Bama was that great. Like every, every, I've been spending all offseason trying to figure out what Alabama was last year. Were they closer to eight and four, or were they closer to twelve and zero? And the truth is, just they were ten and two. Right. Like that's what they were. And so I think a one game improvement without Bryce Young, without Will Anderson, is actually I think a pretty pretty good season. And they probably win the West. They probably, I mean, they might even have a playoff spot locked up if they go eleven and one and then lose to Georgia and Atlanta. They still could get into the playoff with two losses, maybe. So. And, you know, certainly Alabama has struggled on the road the last couple of seasons, yep. and that's not a huge, um, you know, sign of, of doom or anything because a lot of these SEC teams struggle on the road. But will you be concerned at all if Alabama starts losing home games? Because they've done it before. I mean, Johnny Manziel, that was a home game. Uh, they lost to Hugh Freeze once at home. Those are uh, pretty. Th- those are pretty rare. But but I'm looking. Maybe you know. Y- you're right. That's rare. But Tennessee beat you last year. LSU beat yeah. you last year. They're coming to Bryant Denny. If you lose, let's say you lose both of those. I mean, will that will that be a huge cause for concern? I, I mean, I think a lot of it depends. And, and this is, I think, this is the case with every college football team. It's how does it look. Like, if you have 14 penalties and Texas slings the ball all over your secondary yeah. and you get smoked, that's different than Hugh Freeze getting five turnovers inside Alabama's 35-yard line. Like, Ole Miss needed five turnovers inside Alabama's 40-yard line to win that game, and they barely won. Um, they needed Manziel to do the most ridiculous things in the history of, like, quarterbacking in Texas A&M <laughs> to win that game, right? Like, the, the, even the play itself that we all know in our head immediately when we think about that game is, yep. the, is the play that we think of, and that's just absurd. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it ha- it's how it happens. Like, again, I think that's what – Tennessee fans don't want to admit it. LSU fans don't want to admit it. But, like, Alabama was equal, dead even with you last year, both of those teams. Mm-hmm. It, it was a 50-50 game. The teams were dead even. I thought Bryce Young was the better quarterback than Hendon Hooker in that game. And they needed an extraordinary thing to happen to win those games. So Alabama, this demise, 
I, I don't ever write that story. I think the obit's been written too many times and people have been wrong too many times. Alabama's going to be fine. Um, if, it, if they're losing games ugly, cause for concern. If they're losing games because somebody does something extraordinary, it doesn't, that's, you know, I think we're all refreshed that it was LSU Georgia in the championship game last year. You know, like I think we all kind of look forward to something new, something different. And right now the SEC is as positive as I can ever remember it. All 14 teams, ba- fan bases are happy right now, Yeah, which is absurd. <laughs> That's never happened. In, <laughs> like, we're going to go to media days, and everyone's going to be happy and excited about their team. I'm like, even last year, Auburn was kind of pissed, but we knew they were going to fire Harson. So, like, right, right. that one didn't really count. But, like, it's two years in a row where everyone likes their coach. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, let me ask you one last thing on Alabama, Texas, because I, I don't follow them as closely. I'm, I'm starting to get more and more into it. But will they be a better team? Do you think than they were last year? Yes. More seasoning, another year in Sark system, uh, an, another year to develop the line of scrimmage. How how tricky of a game could that be, week two of the season? Very tricky. Um, in fact, I think I would say the two teams most likely to beat Alabama might be Texas and Texas A and M. Um, one because Texas is very early in the season, and two because A and M is at home. Uh, A&M, the A and M they play in College Station. Right. Um, I think so. They played a lot of young players on that line of scrimmage, a lot of high level recruits on that line of scrimmage on the offensive line. They're going to be much better. They got two, not just one star quarterback now, but two guys. Arch is going to push Quinn. I think Quinn's going to start the season and, and play for most of the year. If it ends, if, if Arch Manning is Trevor Lawrence and, and he pushes him out, that means Texas is even better. So, like, it, it's one of those where, like, if the backup five star freshman wins the job, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing for your team. Um, but in the meantime, Quinn Ewers needs to show how he played in that Alabama game in the first half, that needs to happen all season long for him to sort of realize his potential. But the even losing B. John Robinson, like that team is loaded. Sark is maybe the best offensive mind in the game. Um, the, they've recruited really well. They will be the overwhelming favorite to win the Big 12 this year, which is sort of like a be careful what you wish for. <laughs> like <laughs> we've, we've, touched the, we've touched the burner too many times. I put my hand on the burner too many times with Texas that I don't pick them to do anything, but – um, they by on paper they are the best team in the Big Twelve. So on paper that can be a very dangerous game because there's a lot more continuity with Texas than there is with Bama. Mm-hmm. But Bama, we know the depth, we know the talent, we know the location of the game and everything. So it'll be, it is it is fun to think about that game because it, that is a really interesting contest early in the season for sure. All right, how about Arkansas? Let's go down the schedule real quick here. It's much more manageable than it has been under Sam Pittman. I think his entire tenure. Open against Western Carolina at home, Kent State at home, BYU at home. Now, this next four is really tricky. At LSU, A&M, that's, of course, in Arlington, at Ole Miss, at Alabama. Ooh. But then the back half, again, is gets real manageable, I think. Mississippi State at home, at Florida, which who knows how they'll look, particularly late in the season. Auburn at home, Florida, inter- FIU at home, and Missouri at home. So I have an over under set at seven for Arkansas, given those teams. Would you go over that? Would you go under? And what's your confidence level? I, I wouldn't touch that one if I was gambling. I wouldn't touch seven. Um, eight and four doesn't seem likely with that schedule. Yeah. Um, it is all about 50 50 games. When, when we talk about these teams, and there's a group of them in the East as well, there's about four teams, maybe five, that are all kind of the same. Like LSU and Bama are in the top. Everybody else is kind of the same. And so it comes down to how do you play against each other. And the Texas, the A&M-Arkansas game is always 
super freaking weird, <laughs> um, but really fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri you know, is another weird one for them. Yeah, like Ole Miss is Ole Miss Arkansas is always weird. Like there's just yep. crazy stuff happens in these games. It's because they're so balanced now. I, I the, the the question I have about Arkansas because KJ Jefferson is probably the best quarterback in the conference today at this time. He might not finish the best quarterback in the conference, but what's interesting is Sam Pittman has his first real challenge of on his coaching staff. And, and I think Dan Enos is good for a year with KJ Jefferson. I don't know if he's the long-term answer. I think you could argue he's an upgrade on Kendall Bryles. I, I don't see the defense getting better. Although I like the hire. I think that the, the guys they brought in to run that defense, I think are pretty good names that they're just young. They're just sort of kind of on the up and up. I, the defense had some major holes. They had some injuries last year. You know, they're going to run the ball. You got Sanders and Jefferson in the backfield. I like the team, but seven and five seems right. I think you're probably right to put it there. If it's seven and a half, I would take the under. If it's seven, I wouldn't touch it. I, I don't feel confident about that because that team could be, if, if, if things break right, the coaching staff clicks, Jefferson stays healthy, they can beat a lot of those 50-50 games. They can win a lot of the 50-50 games, which is Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A&M, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they had a weird non-conference schedule last year too, some tough games, and they have a weird non-conference schedule this year. That BYU is not a like an automatic win. Like that's a, a game you have to fight to right. win. And so, um, I don't know. Eight and four. I, I I'm not confident. So I think that number is about right. I think I think seven seven and a half is going to be the number for a lot of teams <laughs> uh, in the SEC. But, but having so. said that, you already said it. KJ maybe the best quarterback in the SEC. I think he yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, right now I'd rank him number one. Yeah. Maybe that makes you lean a little bit more towards the over because if you got the quarterback edge, I mean, we overrate that, you know, and they get all this blame. I get it, but hell, I'd rather have the best quarterback in the SEC than I, not, you know. Well, I think it depends. This is the reason I said I think he's the best right now is there's a chance four or five guys could go from question mark to star this yeah. year. Connor Wigman at A&M, you know, either Carson Beck or whoever wins the Georgia job, frankly. Ty Simpson could be a superstar and, mm-hmm. could, be the, and could be the best quarterback in the league by like week five. You know, we just don't know. And we know you love Joe Milton. I, <laughs> Joe Milton could have his, is probably going to have his best season and could absolutely be a star by, by at the end of the year. So we just don't know. Um, right now, Jefferson is the best quarterback in the conference. Is he... Again, the way he plays, which is so much fun to watch, is a, it's a hard way to play that. Like you got to be Cam Newton to play that style of football at quarterback in the SEC, and, yeah. and, and that's a pretty rare set of skills because like he finishes runs downhill, which is fun. It's fun to watch. Not good for your body in the conference, and so he's got to stay healthy. And if he's healthy, and Enos can kind of flush out the the passing elements of his game and make him a better passer, um, we know they're going to run the ball really well. The question is, can he add the other elements and, and stay healthy? And if they can, can they get to eight and four, nine and three? Maybe. Uh, I'm not buying that yet, though, because there's too many questions of the coaching staff, the defense, the depth. Um, Plus, I think they, a whole new receiving core. Yeah, like which I they, think they managed that well last year. Yeah. So a, a lot of fans assume they'll just do it, but it, it new players, it, it's it, new offensive system, obviously. And a lot of the guys they're bringing in are like D two guys. Yeah, they could be phenomenal. Yeah, but they could not be ready for the SEC. I mean, KJ could be the best quarterback if he doesn't have anyone to throw the damn ball to. <laughs> it doesn't help. You know what I mean? I, I think you can like if you've got a great quarterback in college football, you can kind of find people to get the ball to. You yeah, know, like college, good college coaches are pretty creative with running backs and tight ends and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I that one I'm not as worried about receivers. Um, 
as far as like dictating the win total. It really, it's almost just about like how we just don't know how good some of these teams are. Like Texas, we'll get to A and M here in a second, but like it's just we just don't. Two or two of these teams could be really good. Two of them could be six and six. A couple of them are probably going to be middle of the pack. We just don't know which is which yet right now. And there's good and bad in all these teams. Yeah. All right. So Auburn, let's do them next. Here's the schedule. Weird non-conference here. UMass at home at California. They're going to start 4-0. What? Sanford at home. Not Stanford. Sanford. At? In-state rival. Texas (laughs) A&M, though. Tricky. Georgia at home. At LSU. Ole Miss at home. Mississippi State at home. At Vanderbilt. At Arkansas. New Mexico State at home. And the Iron Bowl, Alabama at home. I've got, you kind of teased it here. Seven over under. I think Auburn is. I think they're right there. Uh, I don't think they're as good as Arkansas, but I think again, the way I try to project these is Vegas. You know, they're looking at the name, they're looking at who the betting public, right. and the betting public more often than not is going to bet Auburn over Arkansas. That's just my belief here. So, well, I, especially with Hugh Freeze as the name, right? Right. It's not just Auburn the name. It's people are going to bet Hugh Freeze, which is not a bad bet, at least in year one. He's right. been very good in year one everywhere he's gone. Um, he turns teams around very quickly. I, I, I think there's a huge, like I just don't think Hugh Freeze is the greatest coach that everyone thinks he is. I think he's, I think he's good. Right. Um, he's already complaining about his quarterback situation. Uh, they tried to get a, as many transfers to come to Auburn as possible. Nobody, nobody bit. Robbie Ashford is the guy right now. I think that the cupboard's not bare on defense. They've got pieces. They've recruited well there. That was never Harson or Malzahn's problem. Um, that's an interesting number. I I love the fact that Hugh Freeze's first SEC football game returning to the conference is going to be against Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> I just think that's freaking awesome. Um, somebody might die on the field. I don't know. <laughs> like it's just at the hands of a coach. I don't know. Like it's just it's an awesome game. Um, they're going to pull some upsets. They're going to get some people that they're not supposed to. Does that? I wouldn't touch seven on that one either. I think seven and five is about right for Auburn. That's clear improvement and a, a clear trajectory that is the right direction. If we if they had landed somebody in the portal to play quarterback, I might feel different. Like if Devin Leary was at Auburn, which I know wouldn't fit Hugh Freeze's system, but just for example, um, I, I might think differently about this team. But I I think that their upside is capped a little bit, but I do think they're improved. So I wouldn't I wouldn't not confident on that one either. Uh, to me, there are seven and five teams, so that's right on the number. And I'm supposed to have a take and have an opinion here, but I, I don't, I wouldn't bet that one either. I would go, I'd probably go, like if you're telling me six or eight, yeah, I'm not betting eight wins for Auburn. Well, shout out. I don't want to bet six either, though. <laughs> shout out, cousin Shane. He he th- got this in my head, and now I can't get it out. You know, let's just assume uh, that they lose on the road at A&M because that's a tough place. Georgia, no one's going to be picking Auburn. LSU just Weird place in the schedule too for that game. Just won the West. I mean, I I think it's safe to assume LSU probably gonna win that one. Uh, who knows? Ole Miss, Mississippi State, but you could. Let Let's give you the Mississippi State just for argument's sake here, because here's where I'm really get, getting the final games here at Vanderbilt. Well, at Arkansas, it's not a gimme. But let's say you beat Arkansas, you beat New Mexico State, yeah. you got the momentum going into that Iron Bowl, and if I'm if I'm an Auburn fan, that's what I'm 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 hoping house money, you got seven wins going into the Iron Bowl on a three, possibly four game winning streak. And my God, if you beat at home, Alabama 
Oh, yeah. People go nuts. Then next offseason, I mean, we are going to be crowning Auburn. And I th- <laughs> I think that's that's the perfect spot. You should not be – I, I, I swear to God, Braden. What I, are you taking? Auburn fans are telling me, can we win 10 this year? And I'm oh like, whoa, God, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't, that's not the goal. The goal is Listen, there's a lot of good places to drink on the planes, but y'all need to chill out. <laughs> be competitive in some of these big-time matchups. That's the goal this year. Yeah. Try to get on a winning streak. Try to beat – I mean, I, try to win the Iron Bowl at home. Crazy things happen in no, that. No, that's a that's a totally winnable game. Like if Alabama, if worst case scenario for Alabama is, you know, they have a quarterback who's good but not great yet because they're yeah. inexperienced. They still have some sloppy problems. Yeah, they still have some discipline problems, some penalty problems. They're not good on the road, which is all stuff that's happened the last two years. Yep. And Auburn finds their quarterback, and all of a sudden they win a couple games in the end. They're gonna those two teams could come into that game very differently. Yeah, in very different headspaces. Um, and it, and sometimes that doesn't matter in that game. You kind of throw it all out, out the window anyway. I mean, again, Bryce Young had to like one of the greatest iron bowl performances in history was, was the best quarterback in Alabama history against the worst Auburn coach in Auburn history. (laughs) And they almost won the game. Like this is what makes, this is what makes the iron bowl so great. And, um, they needed spectacular things from Bryce Young to win that game. And, and again, that was a team that won the sec played in the national championship and a coach who everyone hated. So, to, Auburn. so yeah. to answer your question, I'm smashing the over. Auburn's going over. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like that. I like that uh, conviction. Yeah. All right. Next, we got LSU. Somewhat of a tricky schedule. Ooh. Open the season against Florida State in Orlando. That is a huge game. Grambling State at home. <laughs> nice little bounce back. At Mississippi State. Cannot overlook that matchup. Arkansas at home. It's weird to see LSU-Arkansas in September. At Ole Miss. At Missouri, another potentially tricky game. Auburn at home, Army at home, at Alabama, but you got two weeks to prepare. Florida at home, Georgia State at home, mm. and then the finale A and M at home. But they smoked you last year. Revenge, I'm going revenge tour. Yep, over under for LSU. This might be a little low, but I th- I think this is fair. Nine and a half. That's what that's where I'm setting it. Because of that Florida State game, that's otherwise I think I'd probably have it ten and a half. If it's ten, I would go under ten. And a half. I think ten and two is right. So I guess I'd have to go over. Over nine, nine and a half. half. Yeah. If you told me even, I mean, I, I so I hammered the over on LSU last year. I I was very high on LSU all off season. I said this guys this, this team is going to be much better, much quicker than people think. Did I pick them to win the West? No. I can't brag about that. I don't have the receipts for that. But I do have lots of receipts that that that. I, I, this LSU team was going to elevate quickly to a certain place under Brian Kelly because he is that good of a coach. And now he's got better players than he ever had at Notre Dame. I would go over nine and a half. Um, I think you're right. That it's the Florida State game because those are both probably preseason top 10 teams. Um, they're probably like preseason eight and nine. I mean, they're really even teams. Jordan Travis is a really good quarterback. Florida State's clearly rising up the ranks. And that game was way better than people realize. And Jaden Daniels did not play well in that game uh, at the start of the season. And they were within one play of winning it. So I, I, I think LSU is real salty. They are extremely well coached. They are, they're adding talent just like, like the roster wasn't, the cover wasn't bare when, when he got there. Recruiting wasn't the problem uh, at LSU. So I, I think they're, I think they're top 10 team the entire season. Um, 
Any concern that they exceeded expectations? No, hardly anyone saw them coming. Now the expectations are there. I mean, the expectation is not only to win the West, but to you know get to a college football. I mean, Brian Kelly said, I mean, I'm down here to win right, championships. Right. And, and I think you will. I mean, look, if knuckleheads like Les Miles and Coach O can win national championships, then so can. <laughs> I mean, the last three coaches at LSU have won a national title. So um, there's no reason Kelly's not going to be able to do it. Um, so I think what's really weird about LSU is 10 and two and losing the division because you lost the Bama game is technically a step forward and a step back for LSU, which is, which is interesting, right? Cause they weren't a great team. They were not an elite team last year. They had a great two point conversion call <laughs> against <laughs> Alabama. They got their ass kicked by Tennessee at home. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Florida state game also could have gone the other direction. They could have won that game. So they kind of were pretty, they were close to 10 and two, the A&M game was at the end of the year. They'd already kind of clinched, and that was kind of weird. That's a great – I'm so glad the SEC is keeping that rivalry permanent. It is the most undervalued rivalry in all of college football. There is so much hatred and, and history between LSU and A&M that people don't realize. It goes way, way back for baseball. And, like, it, Katrina matters to A&M because all the people that were displaced from Louisiana into the Houston area. So, like, there's overlap of fan bases, the I-10 corridor. Like, it is a great game, and that's why crazy things happen in that game. Um, it's why they lost to, to AM last year. I just think Brian Kelly negates all of that. I think he negates all of the um, sort of like, we surprised you last year and we're not going to surprise anybody this year. I think that's because Brian Kelly's a badass. Like, I think he's a good coach. And so it's also the, one of only two places in the entire conference that has its quarterback and coordinator returning. There's only two of those in the entire SEC. Vanderbilt's the other one. So to have their coordinator and Jaden Daniels back, and to improve the roster around them and to keep like Mason Smith is going to be back healthy. Who's arguably one of the best defensive players in the country. I I just think they're set. I I, I don't think they're going to beat Bama and I don't think they win the West, but I think they're a top 10 team the entire year. Any concern that they're, I don't want to say dependent on the transfer portal, but last year, understandable, new coach, you know, new system and everything. You bring in a, a ton of guys. They've kind of done it again, particularly on the front seven, some secondary players. Uh, or, or do you think maybe they're they're hitting it right to where they already got a good roster and they're just shoring up deficiencies? Because I know you've, you've questioned Lane Kiffin. Can he do it? Kiffin maybe does it on a little bit different level, though. Yeah, I, I think I think it's different at LSU. I think you, you can do it at Ole Miss and achieve Ole Miss standards. You have to do it a little differently at LSU because you have to achieve LSU standards, which are national championships, and they recruit significantly better. Like, just in general, their classes, their depth, 1 to 85, is just going to be better than Ole Miss almost all the time. So uh, the depth at Ole Miss and the defense is the question. I think, I think actually that's going to be better this year. But I, I think, again, I mean, like, Harold Perkins might be the best player in America. Yeah. <laughs> like, full stop. Might be the best football player in And he may football. not even be the best defensive player on yeah. that team. In the front he... seven. Again, Smith might be better, (laughs) but like they are sick. They're going to be sick. Like they're good. Uh, They got the quarterback. They got the coordinator. They got the defensive front. They got the talent. They got the head coach. It is all there. I think they lose a couple times. I would take the over nine and a half. I feel pretty good about that. But again, I wouldn't. There's not many numbers you've thrown at me so far where I would like be like hammer that, hammer that. Except for the under Alabama ten and a half or eleven and a half because I I don't think that'll be the number. But I, I would go over. I would be moderately confident. Um, but I just, again, I just think they're, they're, they're a 10 and two team that sits between 
four and eleven in the rankings the entire year. Like they don't, they, I don't think there's a lot of volatility with LSU. I think they're gonna. That, that's what Brian Kelly brings you. It's what Nick Saban brings you. Kirby's these guys bring this level of consistency every single Saturday, and I think that's what LSU's been been missing. And I think we saw the first phase of it last year, and we're going to see another phase this year. Any potential hiccup though with the quarterbacks? Let's say Jaden Daniels. You yeah. know, he was great last year, but let's He's say he skinny do- dude, man, he needs to eat some of the bolognese down there, man. He needs to get some <laughs> get some of that hollandaise in your bones, kid. Let's it's- say he does not progress progress much at all while Garrett Nussmeyer does progress. Could that be a, an obstacle perhaps to having a special season? It's possible. I mean, I similar to what we were talking about with KJ Jefferson, if if his running style is if if Jaden Daniels doesn't learn how to fall, <laughs> uh, well, which I think is a skill in, in football. Like yeah. there's guys that know how to fall well, and they avoid hits, and they get, know how to get tackled. And then there's Robert Griffin, like guys that just don't know how to fall, who just like take the worst hit possible every time <laughs> they run the ball. And Daniels sometimes knows how to get down and get away, and sometimes he puts his shoulder down, and he's just not a big dude. Like he's a very small guy. And um, Brian Kelly like wanted him to throw interceptions last year because yeah. they were like, dude, throw the ball more. You've got to operate within the framework of the offense, and so. He's so protective of the ball. Like, again, I think his true freshman year at Arizona State, he had 17 touchdowns and two interceptions. Like, he's just very protective, but it's because he tucks it and runs too soon. And so is there an evolution of his game? Possibly. Is Nussmeyer better at sort of operating the passing as part of that? Maybe. I don't think Nussmeyer gives him the better chance to win. And that that's where Daniel sort of has that innate ability. Um, and you saw it in the second half of the season. Like, he got better in the offense. Because, like, against Florida State, it looked like he was completely lost. It looked like he was... Half a second, couldn't read a defense, take it and run. Like, that was his only option. And once he got mm-hmm. into the two-minute offense, he was good because that's where that play, that type of play makes sense. But it, you could see it as the season went along. He started to get more comfortable in reading, going through his progressions and actually making the right throws. So I think he's there. I think he's the guy. Um, again, only two quarterbacks in the SEC return with a coordinator, and, and Jane Daniels is one of them. So I think, I think there, there's plenty of space for Nussmeyer to get some snaps and get some reps. Maybe he pushes him in camp, but I, I imagine Jaden Daniels starts all 12 games. So, All right, how about Ole Miss? Here's their schedule. Oh, love this team. Mercer at home at Tulane, which could be a tricky. Very tricky game. Georgia Tech at home getting that return trip. At Bama. Throughout the records. <laughs> at Bama, LSU at home, Arkansas at home, at Auburn. Vanderbilt at home, Texas A&M at home. Unfortunately for them, they draw Georgia, and not only that, but the in Athens, mm. Louisiana, Monroe at home, and the Egg Bowl on the road. So this is another one, seven and a half. I'm going to half for Ole Miss. I think they get a little bit more respect here. but uh, That makes it easier to go under, I think. Thanks for the half. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, I Like, Ole Miss is just utterly fascinating. They are just, like, as long as Kiffin is there, they're going to be interesting. Because now he's got, like, he's got three quarterbacks, but we don't know who he's got. Mm -hmm. We know what Spencer Sanders is from Oklahoma State because he started 43 games. We kind of know that Jackson Dart is not his favorite because he's not. I always thought Jackson Dart just wasn't accurate enough to to run Kiffin's offense. You need quick, decisive accuracy. Um, is that Spencer Sanders' game? I don't, I, no, I don't, I, no, no. I've been on record. I think Walker Howard eventually is the starting quarterback. I think he's well, the starting quarterback at some point, and I don't know when that is. Um, if they go down to Tulane and struggle, and that is absolutely possible, Tulane is very good, 
Um, they're not going to be as good this year as they were last year, but they will be the highest-rated G5 team in the preseason. So that is an, that's arguably the toughest group of five game in the entire country. And it's going to be their Super Bowl, having and, an SEC uh, team come time. in, you know? Well, and there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap with Ole Miss and New Orleans. <laughs> just, <laughs> there's that whole Manning thing. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of uh, like sort of cultural ties between those two places, also two of the greatest places like in the South, in New Orleans and Knoxville. Um, I, they could lose that game. I will go under on that because the defense, I think the defense gets better under Pete Golding, but I don't think they're there. I just don't think they're there yet on defense. Well, here's the thing the I was saying about their defense question. the other day. Yeah. They don't need an elite defense. No. They just need an average SEC defense. And I feel confident that Pete Golding can deliver that. I don't know if he's got the players, so maybe that's not fair. But I think he's a that's, major, major upgrade yeah, no, I compared agree. to I what agree. they've I, had. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I think – I mean, the other thing is they they were one bad call against Kentucky away from hitting the under last year. They, their schedule was so easy at the beginning of the year. They won every game, and then they lost almost all the games we thought at the end of the year. And that was you – know, like they kind of were what – like they are what we thought they were. You know, yeah. like a really questionable defensive team with a good offense replacing all of its best players from the year before off of a, ten, a historically good 10-2 and two Ole Miss team. And I, I still don't think they've answered a lot of those questions. I think they're better on defense, to your point. I think it's absolutely valid. Um, I, I just think until we have some clarity at quarterback, and if Walker Howard is as good as his his uh, you know recruiting rankings say, and he's the guy who's the most accurate passer, mm-hmm. then the offense could take some, take some shape pretty quickly and be good. But I don't know if he gets into the lineup until – Week four or five, he's going to try Spencer Sanders, I would assume, first. And Dart's kind of – he already knows he's got Jackson Dart there at a certain level of, of competitive football at quarterback. He knows where Dart's level is. I think he went for Sanders because he knows Sanders has a higher floor. And then he goes for Walker because he thinks Walker has the highest ceiling. And so I don't – it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, Quinshot Junkins is a stud. Like, they're going to run the ball. You know that's what Kiffin wants to do. I Again – very evenly matched with Auburn and Arkansas and Mississippi State. I think all those teams, A&M, they're all really evenly balanced and matched. I think Ole Miss has the biggest questions. Um, I would go under. To your point on Walker Howard, though, early buzz I'm hearing out of Oxford, they see a lot of Matt Corral, a young Matt Corral, not 10-win Matt Corral in Walker Howard. So, I mean, he is the ideal fit for, for exactly what they want to do down there. It is all about angles and geometry and pressure, and then accuracy and decisiveness. Like, that's what his offense is built on. It's get the linebacker to move here, hit that hit that, that angle there. And I don't think Spencer Sanders can do that. Like, Sanders is a really nice player, but he got hurt a lot, and he turned the ball over a ton mm-hmm. uh, at Oklahoma State. Dart clearly showed us, like, he gave Luke Altmaier the job <laughs> because he wanted it. He knows Dart's not accurate. Like, 55% is just not good enough in Kiffin's offense. Like, it needs to be 68. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I think Howard's that guy. I just don't – I, I just want to know how long it takes him to get into the lineup. If it's if it's from week one, maybe that, maybe eight and four is possible. But, like, I don't know if they go down there and be Tulane. Mm. Like, I just don't oh, know. Oh, hot take Braden over here. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not picking it, but that's a <laughs> – that is the toughest group of five game on – if you picked a game – who's the best group of five team and then played it on the road, it's Tulane. So there's not like – at Boise maybe is a tough game. I don't know what other group of five game will be harder than that one, honestly. So it's just a 
And Georgia Tech is going to be better. They were much better at the end of the second the second half of last year. They got smoked against Ole Miss. Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't. I don't love uh, Brent Key the hire there. They kind of hired him because he he did well as the interim. Uh, I, I don't know what Georgia Tech's going to be, but that's a tricky game too. I, they, they'd probably beat Georgia Tech, but there's a chance they lose a lot of games in the conference, like the way they did at the end of last year. And then you got, now you add Georgia to it. I'm going under. All right. How about Mississippi State, Braden? Open the season. Southeast Louisiana. I didn't even know that was a school. Arizona at home. Beat them last year. LSU at home. That's a critically important game. At South Carolina. That's pretty. That's an interesting one. Alabama at home. Western Michigan at home. At Arkansas. At Auburn. Kentucky at home. At A&M. Mm. Southern Miss at home. And then Ole Miss at home in the Egg Bowl, of course. I'm setting the over-under for Mississippi State. Zach Arnett's first year, six and a half. Oh, man. The Egg Bowl probably decides both of those, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, if Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl, they probably hit 75. Um, I really like Zach Arnett. I think he's a really good coach, and I think he would have been a Power 5 head coach sooner rather than later had the tragedy not happened. Um so I think it's I think it's less of a continuity play than like the outside world thinks, but it's still a continuity play. They're going to run the ball more under Barbe um, on the offensive side. They still have Will Rogers. Um, they they lost some big time pieces on defense that were that are high level NFL players potentially, especially in Forbes. I, I just I don't know what they're going to be on offense, and six and a half is pretty attainable. I'd probably go under. Six and six is probably what I would take. But if they win and they beat Ole Miss, that's probably the seventh win. Um, man, that's a tough one. I They're one of the most interesting teams and, and hardest to pinpoint of all of these. Like, I feel like Auburn's going to be better. I feel like A&M's going to be better. I feel like LSU's pretty solid. I feel like Bama's pretty solid. I, I The hardest one to pinpoint is Mississippi State because I think Arnett's really good, but learning how to be a head coach – in your, as a first-time head coach, is there's always a, a curve. Mm-hmm. And so, like Shane Beamer showed us that you can kind of buck that trend a little bit. He also got Auburn and Florida in really good situations when he got them. Two coaches that were they, they were trying to fire Brian Harson at the time, and Dan Mullen had, had been fired. And so, yeah, I, they kind of – we keep saying, like, South Carolina keeps getting lucky, but they keep doing it. So, like, I got to eventually <laughs> just acknowledge that they're better than, than, I'm think, than I think they are. Um. But like, there's there has to be a curve there, right? Like, there has to be something. Uh, the three three five that he runs, it probably needs to evolve because I don't think you can run that uh, that style consistently um, in the SEC against really great physical teams, um, and that'll cause it causes it causes some problems for teams that aren't extremely well coached. But it it's a tricky it's a tricky defensive scheme to run um, in the SEC. So I'll go under. I don't feel good about that though. Uh, that one I don't. Uh, you've. It, it wouldn't be a preseason without Mississippi State disrespect. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, smashing I, the over on I, that. I was I was big on Mississippi State last year. Yeah. Um, I had I had the over last year, and all because Mike Leach's third year he tends to do really well. Quarterback mm-hmm. established. I like I liked Zach Arnett a lot. The defense was in really good shape. Uh, I was I hammered the over last year on Mississippi State. So it, I don't let me in with all those haters from last year. But. Um, it's just it's just a lot of unknowns this year. So yeah. I, 
there's a chance that all these go over, but it's hard to do it when they're all playing each other. Like at right. some point you have to do the math and go, all right, well there, there are losses in all of these games here. How, how, <laughs> again, I think there could be like nine, seven and five teams mm-hmm. <laughs> in the conference, like Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi state, Arkansas, Auburn, A&M, like every one of those teams could be between seven and eight wins. And it's just, how did those games shake out? Well, going back to how we opened, you, you said everybody's kind of happy with where everything's at. I mean, Mississippi State, you could argue they underachieved last year, and they still won nine games. And I believe they've only done that. I could be mistaken, but I think that was only the ninth time in school history. They've been playing football for over 100 years. Almost all of them were Dan Mullen. To win <laughs> nine or more. Yeah. And uh, yet that's the current state of football in the SEC where, again, if you're I don't want to say historically good, but one of your better seasons of all time. And, and yet it's still not, I mean, fans were not pissed off, but they were like, man, you know, they let the LSU game get away. There were, there was others, yep. you know, they could have gotten that 10th win and it, it seemed very achievable, but uh, that's just kind of where we're at in the SEC, you know? And, and I still think that hit, I still think they hit, I think their total was like six and a half last year. So they, they, they cleared the total pretty easily. Right. Um, but to your point, like people are, and like Ole Miss, ten wins the, the year before. That was the best season in regular season Ole Miss yep. history. So like we we are in a bizarre, bizarrely happy place in the SEC. It is very weird, and it means something is go- bad is going to happen to somebody. And and obviously that's a maybe that's not the right phrase for Mississippi State because because of the passing of Mike Leach. But I think that, that somebody has to fall. There has to be some like we can't all be happy going into this year. Like we'll get to the East, but I like Missouri a lot, and I don't. Somebody has to not be great. Somebody has to not be good because you can't have everybody winning eight games or nine games. So Mississippi State has the most questions. Perfect transition to Texas A&M (laughs) here. Let's run down their schedule. New Mexico at home, at Miami. That's that's a crazy game. ULM at home, Auburn at home, Arkansas, again, in Arlington, of course, Alabama at home, at Tennessee, South Carolina at home, at Ole Miss – Mississippi State at home, Abilene Christian at home, and then finally at LSU. This may stun you, Braden, and I, I feel like <laughs> I already know where you're going to go. But the over-under for Texas a and I'm setting it eight. I think they're going to get a little bit Oh, I'm not stunned by that. more respect I, I than, you, than most teams out west, regardless of what happened last year. Yeah, I thought you were going to go like seven or seven and a half, and I was going to pound the over. <laughs> um, I hope they are pre- unranked in the preseason. Because then they'll be great. Yeah. If they are like preseason number 19 or 20, <laughs> I have no clue what they're going to be. It's like exclusively tied to the AP poll. I don't yeah. even know. Like nothing to do with Petrino, nothing to do with Coach Fisher or the Ross. No, that they are getting so much better at such critical positions. Like the offensive line is going to be better. The D line is going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the receivers are going to be better. The quarterback is going to be better. The offensive coordinator, like, one of the weirdest spring press conferences I've ever seen in my life. Jimbo Fisher, like, Jimbo Fisher sounded like a coach on a six-game losing streak. Right. In a press conference where all you had to do was show up and smile. In like, spring. Every co- spring press conferences are the easiest press conferences in the world. It's like it's like National Signing Day. Right. We got everybody we wanted. <laughs> I, I want one coach to step to the podium on National Signing Day and be like, God, we didn't get anybody we tried to recruit. <laughs> 
I would love that. Like, God, we tried for seven receivers and got one. Nobody wanted to come to our school. But, like, that's spring practice press conferences. Well, we got – we're getting a lot of reps for the young kids, man. We're installing the new offense. We could put some wrinkles in into the defense. Yep, yep. We got – we love our two deep at linebacker. Like, it's so easy to give the press conference. And he wouldn't even let the reporter finish the question. <laughs> Don't say Bobby Petrino's name. You're not allowed to say Bobby Petrino's name in this. And he's like, he's like, well, we're going to run the same stuff. We always run. We're going to run it right – we're gonna we're gonna run same same system same formations. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run. It's got some Spurrier vibe to it, right? Like he's, and then at the very end, he finally just says, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, Bob Petrino's gonna call plays." <laughs> like why don't you just say that, dude? <laughs> why is it so contentious already? And like we already know this is going to blow up sometime, someplace. The question is, how many games do they win before that? Mm-hmm. Because the offense is going to be significantly better. Connor Wigman is really good. I'm I'm all in on Connor Wigman. I think he's going to be great. I think with Bobby Petrino and him and the development of the pieces around him, all those recruiting classes are going to start. They're going to be in the starting lineup now. It, those three or four years have gone by, and those guys are elevating on the depth chart. I'm. I. It's like it's like Texas. You, you got to learn not to touch the burner. But like I'm doing it again. Like AM <laughs> is going to be better this year. Yeah. The question is how much better. And again, when nothing is expected of them, they almost made the playoff. They people don't remember this. They they were number five in the college football playoff rankings. Two years ago, yeah, th- three years ago, and almost made the playoff. And so, like, the only loss that year they had one loss, and that was a blowout to Bama. But they are going to be good. The question is how good, how fast. And what's fascinating about it is that it doesn't matter what happens to the offense. Jimbo Fisher's ego can't handle it because if they're great, right, he can't take credit for it. He's got to give credit to Bobby Petrino. Mm-hmm. If they're terrible, then it's his fault he hired Bobby Petrino. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens. Jimbo loses, sort of, in, in his head. Like his ego loses no matter what. Right. Um, and we know he doesn't handle that well. So the question is, and you got, let's throw Steve Adazio and DJ Durkin into the same room. <laughs> like, like, just go Google those guys. Um, like, I don't know how that coaching room stays intact for longer than a year or two. And I think it could burn real hot and fly close to the sun style. Yeah. And, and they, they could, like, all things break right. 10 or 11 wins is not crazy for, for that coaching staff. They're that good. But they are going to kill each other. Like, they're going to be at each other's throats all the time. And I don't know. I just don't know how you sustain that. So it's going to blow up somehow, just like Auburn. Auburn always blows up. It, it, like, the question is, how good are you before it happens? How many wins do you put in the tank before it happens. So I'll take the over. I think AM's much, much better. I don't think nine and three is out of the question. Like I think nine and three is very possible. I, I was on a show the other day and they asked me, you know, which team this offseason intrigues me the most. I said A and M. By a mile. Yeah. By a country mile. Like they are by a Texas interstate country mile. Like they are fascinating because of Bobby Petrino. Mm-hmm. And because of the failure last year because of the guaranteed contract, because Jimbo's personality, because they got really good players. Like it's all there for it to it's it's extremely combustible, but it is so interesting. Like you can't take your eyes off of it. So. And going back to to what you said when we opened with them, uh, it, it certainly should be a lot better for them instead of being anointed as a top 10 team, greatest recruiting class of all time, this championship yep. coach. Now we're, we're all sitting here laughing at them. Oh, they're going to wreck the motorcycle. Oh, they're <laughs> they're god-awful. I, you know, I tweeted out late in the season. I mean, Vanderbilt had more SEC wins than Texas A&M. That was not trolling. That was a factual stat. You know what I mean? How dare you post facts 
<laughs> but that's the lowest of lows. Everybody's mocking them, counting them out. That's the perfect recipe, I think, for, for A&M oh, yeah. to possibly have an LSU-type resurgence. The, the, the worst thing that could happen to A&M is to be ranked in the top 20, like I said earlier. Yeah. Like, if they put expectations on A&M, like you and I are kind of doing right now, if they put expect if the if the general public puts expectations on A and M, that's when they start to feel it, and that's when like the walls start closing in on those coaching on the coaching staff. Yeah. But if they're preseason number twenty eight, and they're flying pretty loose, watch out. I'm with you, dude. Like I, I think A and M is, it's the most A and M thing to do. Be preseason number thirty and go ten and two. Yeah. And finish in the top ten when nobody thinks you do. Like it, Auburn does it all the time. It's the opposite of what you expect. And. Um, although last year we kind of expected what happened to Auburn, um, and, and frankly, what happened to A and M, and I've done the I've done the the research on this. I don't I don't remember it exactly, but there's only been a handful of teams in the BCS championship game era since '98 that were preseason top six and finished with a losing record or out of the top twenty-five. It's only happened like three or four times. There's a lot more teams than you think. It actually happened, I think, three times last year in the top 10. I think Baylor, Oklahoma, and A&M were all preseason top 10 and finished outside of the top 25. So it, A&M was just higher than everybody else. They were sixth. I think I think Bama actually did it. Um, was it 01 when they were like preseason number three and they finished like three and eight or something? Um, I think that was a Shula team. But it, it, there was – it doesn't happen very often what they did. Yeah. So it, it happens about once every two or three years. And where you get a top six or seven team that just, you know, poops down his leg. So, just what I ended up here. Well, that's a good place to end it. Braden Gall, of course, if you want to hear, uh, we're going to do the same thing, SEC East. You're going to have to find that on his feed. Braden, tell the folks where to find all your work and where to find part two of this yeah. great discussion here. Fringe Element Podcast, everywhere you get your podcast. You can get to the YouTube page as well, 440 Sports. So, um, well, how about this? We'll just link to each other in our show notes. How about that? We'll just do that. And uh, Is that legal? I, I don't know. <laughs> right, will it break the internet? <laughs> Hyperlinks. <laughs> Illegal. And Elon Musk's new internet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>